Welcome to Unseen Pain. I'm your host, Emily Weldon, a licensed mental health therapist. Here, extraordinary stories of resilience and healing unfold. Each episode, we will dive into the lives of remarkable individuals, family members who have been touched by the aftermath of impactful events like murder, sexual abuse, hate crimes, domestic violence, disappearances to wrongful convictions. Together, we will explore the transformative power of mental health, coping mechanisms, resources, and the path towards healing. Island Marie Schultz had just turned 18 and graduated from Montezuma High School, her whole future ahead of her, when her life was brought to a tragic end. On June 11, 1997, she was murdered by Christopher Kaufman and Jamie McMahon. On the same day, the pair also robbed a local bank and took the life of another woman, Barbara Garber, age 52. I was really young and living a really nice, wonderful life. There was so much love around me, and one of the biggest role models that I looked up to was ripped away from me. It was my first experience with death, and to be so young with such an unexpected death was difficult to process. Island was a huge figure in my life. My brother and I both really looked up to her and remember so many beautiful memories. She babysat us. She was a strong caregiver. She provided so much love and care and affection. She was our cousin, but it really felt like she was so much more. I remember some of her favorite songs, which are still on my playlist today. I will never forget the day that she was murdered. We grew up in a tiny town. Less than 60 people. Yes, less than 60 people. (laughs) The surrounding communities were not much bigger. Our classes were anywhere from 25 to 60. Needless to say, murder didn't happen. Ever. On this day, though, Christopher Kaufman and Jamie McMahon robbed a bank and took the life of Barbara Garber and my cousin, Island Schultz. I remember struggling to understand what was happening, and it all felt like chaos around me. My parents were not sure what to do or how to help, and I could feel their panic. My brother was very attached to Island and is a few years older than me. I remember feeling everyone's emotions around me, but not really understanding what was happening, just that people around me were scared, sad, and crying, and I couldn't help them. At this age, I was just starting to understand what death meant, let alone what murder means. Now looking back, I feel like that day was the day that shaped a lot of how my life and those around me would move forward. It's hard to understand how someone so young, with so much life ahead of them, was taken. I remember wanting to talk about it, but feeling like no one around me was talking. I don't know if everyone felt I was too young to understand, but I could still feel all the emotions. I know everyone around me felt that loss, too. I had a close family member who significantly struggled with the loss. It was a real turning point in their mental health and well-being. There were signs before Island passed, but this really made it an overwhelming 
situation and became a preoccupation for them. Our home started to feel like the chaos that started on June 11, 1997, would never stop. And it did get worse for some time. As a result, I felt like I had to be perfect. I couldn't cause conflict or possible problems because there was so much going on and everyone had so much that they were dealing with. I didn't want to be another problem for them to have to deal with. I would battle things up and really struggled to find ways to express myself or be vulnerable with people around me. Like there always had to be some sort of wall or barrier between me and other people. I felt so helpless seeing people around me that I loved so much struggling and not knowing how to help them. That helplessness really drove me to want to work in the mental health field and be able to feel like maybe I had some control. Like I could help people in this way, but that was a struggle because I felt like I couldn't really help the people around me. I had to learn what that actually looked like. Through music, I was able to feel like I had a great outlet to sing out how I was feeling or write what I was feeling through poems and journals. It was a form of expression when I didn't feel like I could share that with a human, a person, someone around me. Even though now I know they would have been open to that, I didn't want to burden them with it. Through learning more about mental health and engaging in the therapy process, I was really able to learn more about myself. I tell my therapist friends that the best part about me is my job because it really helps me learn more about myself and bring a level of self-awareness while also being able to help others on their journeys. Since, though, my family member continues to struggle, shaped by the tragic murder they have had many struggles in maintaining relationships, feeling connected to other people, their overall mental well-being, wanting to escape through substance use, and even ending up in the prison system themselves. It's painful to see someone you love so unconditionally struggling and suffering so much. And it sometimes brings that same feeling of helplessness. It's hard to learn how to set boundaries in a way that shows love, but not sacrificing my own needs in that process. It still pains me to this day to think about the things that Island will never get to see or be a part of. She didn't get to be at my wedding. She didn't get to have her own wedding. She didn't get the choice to have children, and she would have been a great she was always so loving and caring and compassionate. That's the one thing I feel like I can still feel from her. And she never got the chance to do that herself with her own children. It's hard to think how precious life is. How it can be here one moment and feel so full and be gone the next I know that there's also a struggle in family members who are, their loved one is the perpetrator. And that's a hard one to sometimes discuss because, you know, we think about this person as this bad, this evil 
um, thing, this evil being, but a lot of times they've had their own traumas. They've had to go through difficult things as well. That ripple effect doesn't just affect the person who was the victim and their family. It also affects the perpetrator and their family. On November 13, 2017, Jamie McMahon was found unresponsive in his cell due to an apparent suicide. This just shows that ripple effect. I remember finding out this information, and the feelings that came up were ultimately sadness. It shows that the traumas run deep. I don't know why he took his life, but I'm sure the people that did love and care about him were hurt by that as well. In doing this podcast, I hope that we can break down stigma around mental health. I find comfort in knowing that this is one way I can honor Island's memory. I hope that she would be proud. I know that she would be proud. I ask you to help spread the word and join our community. If you or someone you know has a story that you would like to have heard, please reach out to unseen.pain.podcast at gmail.com. I would love to be able to be a part of your journey and get to be a part of you sharing your story. Because here, every story matters, every voice resonates, and healing becomes a beacon of possibility.